Mo Facts with Adam Curry for April 6, 2020. This is episode number 32. I gave you fair warning, beware. beware. And we're still in our 2020 pandemic lockdown mode. <laughs> uh, Mo, how's the bunker uh, over where you are? Everything's well, Adam. Yeah, kids good. They're not not driving you crazy. You're driving your wife crazy. Everyone's okay. Everyone's calm, cool, uh, collected. No, they're definitely driving us crazy. But I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> not as much as I expected, considering um, being stuck in the house with them twenty four seven. And how have they been on the cell phones? Do they uh, do they use them more than they usually did? Or I mean, have you noticed any behavioral changes? Yeah, I, uh, we actually have to shut them down. Oh, you are okay. So they're they're yeah. they're a little obsessive, <laughs> and you are indeed uh, limiting their time. Yeah, and they throw fits, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now the reason why we didn't do the show on Saturday is you had uh, a problem with your ISP and your router, and all kinds of stuff was messed up. Did, did, did you find out finally what it was? Was it a fiber cut? As I'd read somewhere online. I'm not sure. When I changed the router, it fixed my problem, but I don't know if it's uh, coincidental okay. with uh, some other change that may have happened. So right. I just know what we're back up and running. That's the main thing. But so. more importantly, what was that like? Uh, you were at least a whole evening without Netflix. Right. So uh, <laughs> it's called DVDs. I don't know if you remember them or not. Oh, wow. Did you go to Redbox? Is that what you did? <laughs> Picked up a couple <laughs> DVDs? Well, we got a, got a whole box full here that um, you know, we had to dig out. But Okay. All right. Well, uh, I'm glad that everything's up and running, and uh, I'm very excited to get the show on the road. Is it time to spin the wheel? Yes, please. All right, here we go. It's the Wheel of Topics. Let's see what's going on in today's MoFax with Adam Curry as we see the wheel coming down to a grinding halt. It looks like the show topic for episode number 32 is going to be... There is nothing as powerful as a changed mind. All right. And that was <laughs> a very powerful voice that said that. Yes, that's uh, the Reverend T.D. Jakes. Um, but the reason why or what angle I'm going to take on this show is exactly what we talked about. And I hate to go back into this Corona thing because I've been trying to avoid it like the plague. Um, it's when it's I not possible. Up, it's not possible, Mo. It's a part of life. We just got to we got to deal with it. I think you are exactly right. It's impo- almost impossible unless you just watch only premium channels. And streaming services and don't get on social media. (laughs) Uh, But you can't watch regular television. Even the commercials are uh, coronavirus inspired. Uh, Yeah. And the commercials that are new are all in the corona inspired. Oh, absolutely. Right. So I'm started to think. What negative effect is the media coverage having on this? And so, and how is it shaping people's minds? Uh, As I always like to do, it's always some kind of carryover from the last show to the next show. And I mean, it's just how my brain works and how we ended last show was how the media uh, kind of created um, these people who acted out violently. I think that was charged up by media coverage of uh, the shooter, the, the 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 shootings that we had in the uh, country around 2015, 16. Yes, yes, exactly. So if that if that can happen from that kind of coverage, 
and it was nowhere near the size of this. And it's a helicopter flying on my house right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it starts, Mo. You, you, you do a podcast, you get a little popularity, then the black helicopters come out. They just circle for a bit. The chemtrails yeah. are next. The irony of that. I mean, that, that's crazy. But um, yeah. Um, so I was just wondering about the um, what would the effect be, and what is the effect going to be on men- people's psyche of the of from, the com- of the commercials uh, or just media in general during this time? And just the media in general. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a very okay, good topic. For, for instance, so um, if I said to you five years ago, martial law. <laughs> yeah you people would have not you but most people would have rolled their eyes well and like oh conspiracy theory in fact Cor- uh, uh, five no i'd say more like uh, seven or eight years ago there was lots of conspiracy theories very similar to the ones you hear now uh Martial law, it's going to be a lockdown. You know, the president's going to use, at the time, I think Obama had just gotten the, uh, you know, the, the message system where you could message every single American on their cell phone. So, you know, they said, like, he's going to use that. He's going to control us. It's going to be martial law. And of course, everyone looked at you like, what are you crazy? But fast forward, we have Gavin. If you want to establish a framework of martial law, which is ultimate authority and enforcement, uh, we have the capacity to do that, but we are not at this moment feeling that is necess- uh, a necessity. <laughs> Gavin Newsom, governor of California. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, hearing that clip for the second time, I'm just wondering if martial law, if that can actually be done by an individual state, or if, uh, or if that has to be a federal thing by definition. Oh, they'll definitely lean into state rights. On, yeah. on this one. I mean, what am I even thinking? Of course, of course. Right, if Gavin right. wants to do it, he'll be able to do it. You're right. You're right. Or if I told you there were billionaires uh, answering questions and talking about digital receipts to prove that you've been vaccinated. Yes. You, you would have called me a conspiracy theorist, but we see Bill Gates. <laughs> you, should, you, you should listen to one of my earlier shows, Mo. This is to me, this is just like, oh, what? We're playing. We're hitting the rewind button. Been there, no. done it. Love it. Right. So I'm just saying that how fast we're moving. Mm-hmm. And I, I've said that on the, the, not the last show we did, but the other show we did on this topic. This is the new 9-11. It's going to shape Everything, you know, if you just said pre 9 11, we're going to tap your phones and you won't have any privacy, people to push back against that. But afterwards, yeah, it's like, okay, it's, it's, it's a given. So, I mean, I just I just wanted to open the show up where, where we're headed. Very good. And, and, I, and I'll just add as a caveat the event, of course, it's nothing like a 9 11, but it's really about the aftermath. It's like, okay, so we have a big event. What little steps initially are going to be taken? What things will happen? Uh, what is the weapons of mass destruction of this event, which, of course, we know turned out to be completely bogus, but it sent us into the Middle East and it you know, did a lot of things. So what are we going to see from this event? Uh, I think you just have to. It's us. It's, it's the shot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's our, we are the WMDs. That's and right. That's the, that's the scary part about it is like they've weaponized humanity. <laughs> and you're so right. You know, we just got our, our face mask in. Uh-huh. Um because you can't go outside in Austin anymore without one. 
And people give you the stink eye. Even though it's wow. optional. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. People giving you the stink eye. And I think that's going to be everywhere. So everyone will just have to cover their... It doesn't have to be a, a, you know, an N95 mask, but even if you have a bandana or something. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Stink eye if you're not wearing it. So that's, a part, that's, that's weaponizing us in a way. Yes. So I just want to, I guess we clip heavy, so I want to uh, go ahead and dive right in. Uh, and we have uh, Dr. I mean, excuse me, Robert uh, Pyatt, uh, Robert Pyatt, Ph.D. There is this push in the media to be the first to get out whatever the latest breaking information, especially around the coronavirus epidemic, is. You know, they can stake their claim on that, which at times means the information they're getting out isn't necessarily vetted. It's not been confirmed and science is based on the confirmation of our results. It's not been confirmed scientifically. It's not been confirmed by another expert. So at times we have some questionable information that's getting out there. The other side of that is you have a public that's receiving that, that is dealing with a large volume of information, a large volume of very complicated medical information. And as anybody who's been to their doctor knows, medical information inherently is filled with jargon and complex ideas. So you do have a clash going on right now where we're not giving ourselves the time or in some cases the effective methodology to do the best job at communicating, but we're pushing more and more of this content on a public that's not prepared to handle it. Interesting. Now, he's a a professor? professor? Yes, he's a professor at Keene University, assistant professor of molecular uh, geneticists. Uh, Yeah, so So he's he's not like a... a He's not not a behavioral scientist, but okay. No, so... I just found it interesting that how he said about how information is just pushed out there and every media is trying to be the, you know, the one that breaks the news uh, or (laughs) has the latest information. Yes. uh, And it's not really being vetted. Well, not at all. In fact, there's there's not even questions being asked. Uh, In particular, what is the underlying data? I mean, I keep hearing about this new model and that model, and now we're using... Those guys' uh, analysis—it's very—it's—it's it's, uh, far from transparent, and, and it's really the wild, wild west. I mean, everybody's just got their own. I mean, they have one narrative that is terrible. It's like the worst thing that ever happened. That's the yes. narrative, but it's—it's it's the scare tactics. They—they they all are coming at different angles, and uh, it, it's just—I find it very disturbing. <laughs> and, and and I'm having this show. As a counter to that, uh, I think independent media, such as podcasting, has always run counter to the mainstream. And I think this is a great opportunity for us, and I want to say us, to run counter to balance the the um, mainstream media, to be the counterbalance to it, where... Everything's not doom and gloom and over. I don't hear anything positive. Nothing positive. It's all just doom and gloom. Right. And yes, that is the mainstream model. It's uh, it's built on doom and gloom and fear. And once in a while, if, at the end of the newscast, you'll literally hear the newscaster say, and now on a lighter note, we saved a, a kitten from a tree. <laughs> and everyone feels good. Yeah. 
<laughs> so that's what and you want to do when you have for Corona. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, you and I have talked about this before. It's a lot of uh, we're so primed for this. All the movies, uh, the the horror movies, the uh, you know the 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 big pandemics, the con- contagion outbreak. I mean, all of them. You know, these uh, we're ready for this. And in fact, many of the scientists you're seeing speaking today in the public arena consulted on some of these films, and you know, so they're using the same terms. You know, like uh, social distancing uh, actually mm-hmm. pops up, I think, in Contagion, and all of the, all of these terms. So, yeah, it's 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 baked in. We were primed, and boy, did we run for the hills when we were told to. And I think it's maybe maybe even more sinister than that. And <laughs> and that's where I'm headed okay. with this show. All right, but, all right, uh, buckle <laughs> up. Let's get into part two of uh, Mr. Robert P- uh, Pyatt. You're seeing some of that risk play out today, the risk of the public not understanding. Um, and that's through a lot of the clickbait, false information that we see that's permeating the Internet and a lot of our social media. It erodes our trust in our experts. It erodes the trust in the process itself. There are people whose entire job is to set up and post exciting, inflammatory articles to drive clicks to a website. They don't care about content. They don't care about science. They don't care about trying to better a person's life through education. We need scientists who can communicate effectively to get out into the public to talk about it. So again, it comes back to our understanding of the scientific process of what that evidence means and what that means for our society. Where was this guy when uh, we were all going to die in 10 years from climate change, according to the models? (laughs) Where was he then? I I didn't see see him walking around saying anything then but i'll I'm, i'll just kick back and relax Well, he works at a university so you got to pick your battles <laughs> this is true uh, if, uh, if you want to keep the game ste- yeah yeah you're stepping on some you're stepping on the wrong toes if you're trying to work in uh, right. at a university right which is majorly funded by uh climate change mm-hmm. uh but there is positive news or at, at least not um uh, a silver lining maybe uh, but it doesn't get any airtime. And an example of that is Miss uh Miss Dr. Uh Burks. Yes, my favorite. Um, of course, the the shawl lady. Yes. So Dr. Burks, she is the um She's the uh, COVID nineteen response coordinator for the White House. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Um she came out and spoke about what you like to speak out speak a lot about and uh the models. I'm sure many of you saw the recent report out of the UK about them adjusting completely their needs. Um, This is really quite important. If you remember, that was the report that said there would be 500,000 deaths in the UK and 2.2 million deaths in the United States. They've adjusted that number in the UK to 20,000. So half a million to 20,000. We're looking into this in great detail to understand that adjustment. I'm going to say something that's a little bit complicated, um, but I'm going to try to do it in a way that we can all understand it together. In the model, either you have to have a large group of people who are asymptomatic, who have never presented for any test in order to have the kind of numbers that were predicted. 
to get to 60 million people infected or of 6 million people infected. You have to have a large group of asymptomatics because in no country to date have we seen an attack rate over one in a thousand. Yeah, this is the first time that the models changed. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I, you're right, this, this barely got any airtime. They, they've actually chosen yet another model. <laughs> which yeah, which was announced on Sunday, and but not even who who it was from. You know, was it Washington the, uh, State University? Was it the Chris Murray model? I mean, it's just it seems like uh, oh well, the numbers are much lower. Okay, let's ratchet down our model a little bit, which I I think just shows these models are way overblown. But we're certainly responding to it as if millions of people are still going to die. And. Just put in perspective for people, if you had $500,000 in your bank account when you went to bed, and you woke up and there's only 20000 in there in there the next day. You'd notice. You would notice. Yeah. But in this case, that's great news. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, is, that is literally great news, but it was buried. Why? But that's well, my question. Why? <laughs> well, I think that... <sighs> Um, I believe that there's a number of a lot. There's a lot of agendas in the room, Mo. The the mm-hmm. media has an agenda, which is to do a gotcha to trip Trump up and make him look stupid. Uh, yep. which is sad. Is sad. I mean, I'm very sad about that. They, w- there's some good questions. I watch all these briefings. Uh, there's an agenda by the uh, pharmaceutical industry. Uh, this is the Bill Gates, and everyone has to get vaccinated. He's not shy about saying it. He's not shy. Um, in fact, Gates is now everywhere. And uh, you know, the guy who haven't really haven't looked at too much for the past, I don't know, five or five or six years, now he's becoming very interesting to look at again because mm-hmm. somehow he's uh, he knows better than everybody else. So he has an agenda. Um, the Wall Street has an agenda. The oil. Uh, problem that's going on right now between saudi arabia and russia which will involve the united states it's all different everyone's jumping on as we know you never let a good crisis go to waste well wall street is funny in this situation because bad news is not really good for them so they're 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 really business news is some of the most and i'm gonna (laughs) I regret saying this. Some of the most honest news you can watch right now. It's better to watch CNBC than anything else. You'll actually learn something. Right, because their money is riding on how this thing turns out. So they don't want to be huge, uh, uh, use fear tactics, because that affects the Well, they do the the opposite. Market negatively. Yeah, well, they're all... with CNBC, it's no matter what, it's a buying opportunity. <laughs> the market's down 3,000 points, buying opportunity. Hey, we're up. Do you think this is a buying opportunity? I mean, so they have their own. Short, short, short. And they have their own agenda, too. And, yeah, you can make a lot of money in a down market if you're shorting it. Yeah, There's a lot of ways to be, money to be made. But I think, yeah, you're right. It's more honest news in general. Uh, so... This next clip is going to do a little foreshadowing to where we're headed with the, uh, with the show and uh, overall. And this is, is technology controlling your mind? I can tell you as a mental health professional, someone who has been helping people get out of cults and mind control and brainwashing situations for 40 years, constantly people are confused. What is a cult? What is mind control? What is brainwashing? 
Oh, my my boss brainwashes me. Oh, advertising brainwashes me. Uh, the government brainwashes me, etc. But what I'm here to say is actually, I want to present a model for you to think about a spectrum from healthy to unhealthy influence. Healthy influence, there's informed consent. You know what you're getting involved with. You know about the person. There's choice. On the destructive side, there's deception. There's manipulation. On, on the healthy side, it respects your free will. It respects your conscience, where the unhealthy side is using guilt manipulation, fear manipulation, and wanting you to become tranced out, obedient slaves. <laughs> and we have on this continuum some themes. Again, this is not a binary of all or nothing. This is a spectrum. And my call to action is your minds are precious, and only you should control your mind. Yeah, well, you better better put that iPhone down then. <laughs> so I want people to use this clip to judge when they watch the media. Are they giving me a choice? <laughs> or are they trying to scare the crap out of me? And you'll find yourself on that negative end of the spectrum when, when you watch the majority of the news. Right. Uh, in fairness... This is from, uh, I think, CNBC. It's funny that you uh, said that, this next clip. And this is um, asking, is there too much fear over the coronavirus? Tim Kaine is the J.P. Conte Fellow uh, at the Hoover Institution at Stanford University, and he is a behavioral economist. Uh, sir, welcome. I'm great, to ha- great to have you here, Tim. Uh, is there too Thanks, much Tom. panic? Too much panic right now? <laughs> yeah. Way too much panic. Uh I, I, I thought a lot about Costco and that panic buying. In fact, I made my wife go with me because I wanted to see it as an economist. And, you know, Costco is going to keep restocking their shelves. So I actually think in a week, some of the panic buying is going to die down as long as the government lets the you know, market system work. You're a behavioral economist. What is the behavior you're seeing, either anecdotally or on video or in person? What is it telling you about uh, human behavior and how we act and how we spend? Well, you know, supply and demand shift. That's the ultimate behavior that we're seeing. In fact, there's a paradox that goes back. They call it the diamond water paradox, Tyler. What's more valuable, a bucket full of diamonds or a bucket full of water? If you're in the middle of the desert, you know, the water is a lot more valuable. People right now, what they value most is not water or diamonds. It's a sense of assurance and that things are going to be okay. I think they're going to realize pretty quickly, one, the disease, this coronavirus, it's just not that fatal. Uh, In in fact, when you compare values over time, the value of life, for example, women in the year 1910, one in 100 pregnant women died the day of giving birth. This disease is about that fatal. Look, we survived that. Uh, We're going to survive this just fine. Yeah. Um, I'm a little confused about about these statements because, of course, I follow this very closely. And I'm in mm-hmm. agreement with the numbers. That's that's my problem is the numbers don't add up to any of the hysteria. But there are some individual uh, anecdotal examples of uh, the sickness people are getting. And that it worries me, although the explanation I have for it currently is there are really two, stra- two strains of this thing. Um, 
and some of these severe cases like New York, Wuhan, Northern Italy, that's a different strain from what the rest is getting. But I really don't know because I don't have the information. So from the numbers itself, yeah, it's blown way out of proportion. But there's too many unknowns, and that's that's a that's a really good factor to have if you want to to frighten people. Well, I have another scenario that I would like to introduce uh, later on, and uh, okay. as we make our way down the clip list, all right, that I, nobody has discussed. But just to show you the power of misinformation, this next clip is. I, I'm, People believe coronavirus is linked to dot dot dot. <laughs> uh, I know, I know what's coming. Tonight's fact or fiction is brought to you by America's Finest Carpet. In tonight's fact or fiction, we are looking into some confusion people are having about the coronavirus. A story going around today claims that many people think the illness sweeping the globe is connected to Corona the beer. It's true. <laughs> Google searches have spiked since January the 18th for the terms beer coronavirus, which you see in yellow there, beer virus, which you see in blue, and Corona beer virus, which you see in red. So far, Corona Beer's parent company has yet to comment about this. According to the CDC, the coronavirus gets its name from the crown-like spikes it shows under a microscope. Corona, in Latin, is Latin uh, for crown. Something like that. Like this. I don't know Latin. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> oh, I, people were doing research, Mo. You know, they got questions like, oh, I heard something about Corona. I go to Corona Beer. I don't know. This... We need to use this as a data point of how misinformed. How do you a beer? I'm, and and so it's so much so that they actually have stopped producing Corona the beer. Yeah. <laughs> Is that so? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah, production. yeah. Well, they said it was because it was a non-essential, <laughs> but right. every other beer company is. It's pumping, pumping out, it out beer, as but fast I'll, as they can yeah, go. All of a sudden, right. it, now right. it's not. No, it's not going moving off the shelves. Is what it is. I mean that's that's just my uh, uh perspective mm. on that. But just imagine people are trying mentally are trying to link a beer with the with the virus. Uh, that I'm, I, you have to you can't ignore that data point of the misinformation or. I would say probably uh, underinformed people read headlines. Yeah, you know, just well, uh, we'll just read the, the headline. Word association. Yeah, it's yes. word association, but it's if you can get people to think that, or if they get make that leap on their own, if you roll out the people in the white coats, <laughs> take and, them away, and tell them like I, I like I heard today. Uh, uh, I forgot what he was, what his name is, but today this week is our Pearl Harbor. Yeah, I've heard this. Have you heard, have you heard this meme? Yeah, have you heard, oh, yeah, that's the meme that they're pushing today. Yeah, and I'm like, what? I mean, because. Yeah. So, well, what what they are really manipulating people, and and it's sick. And I'm really pissed off about it. I can tell. I can. I mean, I've been doing this a while, so I, I have somewhat. I've built up some immunity. But yeah, it's totally sick. The you're right. Actually, launching the Pearl Harbor meme in context of racial discrimination is a pretty sick thing to do. Yeah. So, I, um, but luckily, <laughs> luckily. I was able to dig up something that may be a help to us, and that is how to stop the spread of misinformation. 
America is facing a growing epidemic unlike we've ever seen. It's causing widespread panic, roiling the stock market, and infecting our loved ones at an alarming rate. This pandemic is Donald Trump saying stupid things about coronavirus. <laughs> the virus. <laughs> They're working hard. Looks like by April, you know, in theory, when it gets a little warmer, it miraculously goes away. I hope that's true. We have it totally under control. It's one person coming in from China. Containing this will be a daunting task. Here's how Trump saying stupid things about coronavirus spreads. The airborne particles travel through the air and enter your body as sound waves, overwhelming your brain. Sadly, the group most vulnerable to Donald Trump saying stupid things about coronavirus is the elderly. But don't panic. There are simple steps to protect yourself and avoid infection. First, distract yourself by washing your hands. Buy surgical masks and place them over your ears. Avoid large gatherings of angry white people. And most importantly, do not touch your Facebook. Follow these simple steps and you too can keep America safe from Donald Trump saying stupid things about coronavirus. But I'm not going to lie, a lot of old people are going to get infected. Well... <laughs> Where is that from? That was that was cute. Where is that from? I think that was from Conan. That was nice. That was cute. Yeah, and and I played that to lighten the mood because I, if I come here and present the propaganda and don't diffuse it, then I'm part of the problem. So I mean, <laughs> yeah, okay. that, that's kind of how we should look at this thing: is have a laugh, eat, drink, be merry. That's why I live by. Um, enjoy. I think we should look at this half, glass half full. Okay. Yeah, you're stuck in your house, but I'm stuck in the house with my kids. I mean, what other time could I spend this amount of time? You had, you had, no, no, you had a, a glass that was half full. The kids drank it. That's the problem. Yes, they did. <laughs> and they backwashed like kids. <laughs> <laughs> Nasty. Backwashing kids. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So, as I always like to do, I always like to put historical context to most of the topics I cover. And in these next to the clips, the first two are somewhat long, so please forgive me and bear with me. We're going to go down. It's, you, you like lists, right, Adam? Yeah, um, I love them. Yeah. So we're going to go down the top five bizarre cases of mass hysteria. Mass hysteria refers to collective delusions or threats to society that spread rapidly through rumors and fear. Now that you know the definition of it, the video will be easier to understand. Welcome to 5 Bizarre Cases of Mass Hysteria. Number 5. Tanganyika Laughter Epidemic This outbreak happened in 1962 in a small village near the border of Uganda and Africa. It began on January 30th. Three schoolgirls began to laugh uncontrollably. This began to start rapidly spreading throughout the school. It ended up affecting 95 out of the 159 pupils. They were aged 12 to 18. Most symptoms lasted for a few hours, but in some students, it lasted for up to 16 days. Could you just imagine Imagine laughing non-stop for 16 days. The teachers were not affected by the epidemic. As they were unsure to what was causing it, they were forced to close the school in March of 1962. Once the school closed, the laughter spread throughout the village and ended up making its way to another village close by. Within April and May, 217 people had laughing attacks in the village. Most of them are school children and young adults. The school reopened on May 21st, but closed again in June as people were 
were still suffering from the laughter. During June, the laughter spread once again. This time it was to another school. It affected 48 girls. The epidemic lasted 6 to 18 months, then it died off. In total, 14 schools were shut down and a thousand people were affected. An investigation was set out, but no possible cause was found for the laughter relating to conditions in the area, such as air pollution and gas. It was ruled out as a case of mass hysteria. That's a very, I had not heard that, uh, but, <laughs> laughter. <laughs> but, but, uh, I was actually looking it up. There was a um, couple of months, years ago, when the first Gardasil HPV shots uh, were being deployed, mm-hmm. and there was a big push against it, and there was some weird stuff happening. You had, you might remember the video of a, a cheerleader who could only walk backwards after the shot, and some weird stuff, and there was this group of uh high school girls in upstate new york and they all developed this syndrome of hysterical laughing for days on end and just going into hysterics and they couldn't stop and the weird case about this is it jumped from one village to the other to the next village now laughter is not a <laughs> it's not a disease but somehow in the human condition with hysteria, if you mentally start thinking something or fearing something, it, it can actually, happen. Yeah, it can happen. And um, in these next um, the top five, we're gonna hear of other cases. Of this, let's go to number four. Number 4. 1983 West Bank Fainting Epidemic This occurred in late March and early April of 1983 in a Palestinian town called Arabah. It first started in a school. A female student ran to a window. She was coughing and complained of breathing difficulties. Within hours, six other students complained of the same symptoms. Panic soon spread throughout the school and many other students began to complain of the symptoms. Some students also vomited and complained they had blurred vision and many students fainted. Students were taken to hospitals close to the school. The female Israeli soldiers who escorted the girls also complained of the symptoms. Within the school, 32 girls were affected. Over the next two weeks, the epidemic spread to other schools in close by towns. In total, 943 people were hospitalized. The Israeli military closed schools that were affected for 20 days. Later on, during late March and early April, a second wave of the epidemic started. 367 people fell ill. Due to the Palestine and Israel conflict, it was believed that the symptoms were caused by a chemical warfare attack and many people were arrested, but after many tests, no traces of chemicals were found. On March 28, 1983, a newspaper claimed that an Israeli military investigator had found traces of nerve gas within the area. The newspaper also said they suspected Palestinian militants were poisoning their own people in order to blame Israel to provoke an attack. Although, this was never really backed with any hard evidence. In the end, the epidemic was said to be a case of mass hysteria caused by stress. Ooh, I do like where you're going, Mr. Mo. I do like this. I, I mean, <laughs> hold on a second. Let me, uh, let me make sure I got my goggles on so I don't, uh, don't jump the gun. Um, there is something... I think it's it's called sympathetic. Hmm. It's like uh, if someone vomits on an airplane, then other people uh-huh. have sympathetic vomiting, literally. 
So this mm-hmm. and that is a, it's a that's the, one of the best uh, examples of uh, mass hysteria. Okay, I'm 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 in. I'm engaged. Uh, we go to number but three. But the weird thing <laughs> is, how before we do two things. One, notice how governments weaponize this hysteria every time on both sides. Mm-hmm. You had the the Palestinians, and then you had the um the um uh, Israelis. Uh, Israelis, yeah. Um, both saying, "Oh, it's the other guy." Well, of course. So think about that. And this example of we have that, right? Uh, it's them. It's it's, no, it's, it's, it's those China. It's America. There. Yeah. No, I'm, right. I'm, I'm with you. And, and number two is if the sympathetic thing that you brought up is a valid point of if you see somebody vomit, then you vomit. That's one thing. But this thing is jumping villages. How does how does that happen? I don't have an answer, but I do have an answer, but not yet. But <laughs> let's get to number. Let's get to number three. You tease. You tease. Number three: <laughs> Louisiana twitching epidemic of 1939. This happened during the spring in a school in Louisiana. The female students there began to randomly twitch uncontrollably and were unable to stop. It all started when one female student's leg began to start twitching uncontrollably while at a school dance. After the next few weeks, her leg would continue to twitch at random times during the day. The twitch once forced her to stop playing basketball as she was unable to stand. News soon spread about her twitching and other students began to twitch. One student's chest and neck would twitch throughout the day. Students began to have twitching attacks and the parents started to get worried. They believed it may have been some type of disease that was causing the twitching. A few weeks later, the twitching stopped. Investigators studied the case and concluded Included that the girls were attention seeking and ruled it as a case of mass hysteria. <laughs> you know what's going to happen? I'm going to get mass hysteria and start talking like this guy who's doing the voiceover. <laughs> it was really crazy, yeah. and they got mass hysteria. Ugh. And then I'm going to catch it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we got laughter, twitching, fainting. Yeah. Uh, and this is not. Uh, we're not talking about viral things. These are just no. It's transmitted uh, through brain waves or something or whatever. Right. Uh, But let's go ahead and just wrap up and see who comes into the number one slot. Number two, Mumbai Sweetwater Incident. This incident occurred in 2006. It was a strange phenomenon in which residents of Mumbai, India, claimed that the seawater of Mahim Creek had suddenly turned sweet. Within hours, residents of a nearby beach also claimed the water had turned sweet. This caused mass hysteria among people and they started coming in large numbers to drink the seawater. The water is heavily polluted with sewage. This caused a fear within local authorities as they thought there may have been a severe outbreak of a waterborne disease. So yeah, they was drinking sewage water and believed it tasted sweet. The Pollution Control Board warned people not to drink the water, but despite this, many people went to collect it in bottles. The phenomenon only lasted 18 hours. After this, people said it tasted salty again. It's unsure whether it actually tasted sweet or people were just deluded. There have been many theories to what caused it to taste sweet. They have ranged from rainfall to currents of the sea, but in the end, it was ruled as a case of mass hysteria. Interesting. So, so the actual taste buds registered something different in their brain. As sweet, and we're talking about sewage water here. Uh, just as an inter- <laughs> inter- interesting side note, that one of the apparent uh, 
symptoms of onset of coronavirus is losing your sense of taste and smell. And that cropped up late, right? That didn't, that, it, that, that was not, not in the beginning. No, no. Not that I can trace back, at least. And, I, and there's a couple other symptoms that cropped up late. Um, I'm, I'm not specific of which ones, but uh, I don't think it was the... Uh, I'm, I'm not going to speak to that. But yeah, yeah, losing the taste buds, I don't remember that being one of the original symptoms. So... Just think though, some, they're drinking sewage water and thinking it's and great, thinking it's sweet. Well, and not, <laughs> so much so that they're bottling it up and taking it home. Like, but is, isn't that what beer manufacturers learned eventually? It's just here's here's this this crap we're going to serve you, and you're going to love it. And we then we start to love it. When you're a kid, did you like beer? No, you're like, eh, it's nasty. Not at all. Did you like smoking? No, it's nasty. Now you've never smoked. Did you ever? Did you ever smoke? No, nah, I never smoked a cigarette in my life. No, oh, okay. <laughs> enough, um, enough said. But, yeah, so um, I said that was number one. That was number two. two so yeah. let's let's yeah let's wrap up with the uh, the final uh, the winner of the mass hysteria contest. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh... Number one, Dancing Plague of fifteen eighteen. This was a case of dancing mania that took place in Strasbourg, <laughs> France in July 1518. Around 400 people danced for days without rest. The epidemic lasted for about a month and some people died of heart attacks, strokes and exhaustion from the non-stop dancing. The outbreak began in July 1518. A woman by the name of Mrs. Trophia began to start dancing in the street in Strasbourg. This lasted somewhere between four to six days. Within a week, 34 others had joined her and within a month, there were around 400 dancers. Most of them eventually died from exhaustion. Historical documents found in Strasbourg mention the dancing, but it's still unsure to why they danced. There have been possible theories to what caused it. One possible explanation is a spider bite. When bitten by a wolf spider, the symptoms of dancing mania occur, although it's very unlikely that it was a spider bite as it affected a large amount of people. It was ruled as mass hysteria. <laughs> Dance mania. <laughs> oh. Falling dead from dancing. We should have, we should, so, okay. I mean, now these are nothing on the scale of the, the mania you're insinuating, I believe, but I, I like the theory. I'm rolling with you. Well, there's one thing that we have that they don't have, and that's mass communication. That's correct. So just let that sink in. Uh, <laughs> so you have to ask yourself, what, dancing, laughing, fainting, drinking sewage water and thinking it's sweet. And what was the other one? A twitch. None of these are, are diseases. I mean, there's no pathogen no, it's, it's, that you can it's, catch. It's uh, like an emulation of behavior, an emulation of uh, symptoms without an underlying <laughs> disease. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have you been uh, yeah. taking advantage of the of the Rona holiday and studying up on your medical journals, Mo? Is that what you've been doing? No, I have not. Uh, <laughs> when I get when I get an itch, it just takes me. It, I, it, I I follow where it takes me. I like it. Uh, and one of my favorite destinations is my control. <laughs> yes. Yep. So um, we had to figure out 
how real mind control works. It's interesting to look at cults from an academic perspective because they are one of the few real instances where real mind control is really used in real life. Nobody wakes up and says, hey, I'm going to go join a cult. That's Mia Donovan, and she's an expert on cults since she made a movie about them. Available on Netflix. Nobody in a cult will say they're in a cult. Similarly, nobody in Minnesota will admit they actually live in Canada, but that doesn't make it not true. (laughs) So what is a cult? Well, most of these groups have a front as a Bible study or political or some other sort of group, but what makes a cult a cult is often that overwhelming influence the leader has over their followers. One could call it brainwashing. Mmm, yes. So, in this situation, we've had the leader step forward for for the brainwashing. Mr. Well, Bill Gates. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he's he's one of the many. I think there's a couple others involved in it, but but Gates is uh, he's the authority. He is the he's the one that we're all looking to because he must have the answers cuz you know, he's rich. And he predicted it. I mean, if you let the 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 adherence to his cult uh uh let them talk and let listen to them, he called this years off. Uh, so yes. he's not, not a hard, n- not a hard call. A lot of people of have, not. <laughs> have done this, but he's rich. So yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. It's like Who saying cares? one day it's going to rain. Yeah. <laughs> like when it, when it rains, it's like I told you. That's right. And I'm rich. So believe me now. <laughs> right. So, uh, and, and uh, just, uh, uh, as another parallel with, uh, with the, uh, climate control, the same thing, they had to create their cult leader. Greta. Uh, is that <laughs> yeah. civil rights movement? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> MLK. MLK. Yeah, exactly. You got to have this. You got to have this figure that everybody adheres to, and like, oh yeah, they're they're, they're the great messiah. Um, we well, see this all the time with these these different cults that pop up. But it's funny that people condemn them, but when they participate in cultish behavior. Yes, it's totally acceptable if it's the majority to participate in it. <laughs> so that's, that's how a good cult works, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's just get into uh, my, how my control works, too. Now, the actual process of brainwashing is somewhat disappointingly abstract and inconcrete. There's no three-step guide to brainwashing your cult followers. The process is more of an art than a science. So here's your scientific three-step guide to brainwashing your cult followers. The first stage is break people down. You know, get them broken. So that's Rick Ross, no relation, and he's also an expert on cults. He calls this process coercive persuasion since he's an academic and doesn't have to worry about clickbaiting YouTube viewers. Say you get invited to a, a, um, a talk or a dinner by a group of people that you've never met before, and suddenly you're like the center of attention, and everybody's showering you with affection and praise and interest and this is something that a lot of cults will do because that's a very irresistible thing to be at the center of somebody's attention making people feel special is an overwhelmingly great feeling that traps them in overall in this stage you need to as rick says talk about everything negative in the world negative in their life uh put a lot of pressure on them to crack and break and then second uh change them you know once they're in that broken state introduce your ideas okay is this sounding familiar (laughs) well in many different ways yes of course of course stay at home the world's coming to an end 
Uh, don't go outside. So you isolate the uh, your don't potential social distance. Uh huh. But then you come back and say, "Oh, we're alone together," or you know, like what's that term <laughs> they're using? Uh, home alone. What, it's uh, it's stay home and alone together. Yeah. Is it alone together? So now yeah, you're I think part it's of alone us. together. <laughs> yes. Now you're, you're, now right. you're part of. You're just like the Hollywood stars. You know, come on in. Uh, uh they had these uh on Instagram. These DJs that are throwing parties, oh and, yeah, uh, you know, oh, playing yeah. the music. So now we're all we're all in this together. That's right. Yes, this, yes my pretties. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So you broke them down. We for about two weeks now. They just don't go outside. You're gonna die. Don't go outside. You're gonna die. But now let's just party at home. We're all together. And I I heard today that they're gonna have some kind of big. Uh, telethon or something like yes, that. Yes, this uh, is going to be the. This is the. This you want some mind control. This will be uh-huh. the. Uh, hold on a second. Let me. Let me. I don't want to misquote it. This is the Lady Gaga deal, and it's uh, the Global Citizen uh, Group. You know who uh-huh. do that? Who do that yeah, thing in yeah, Central Park? The, the Global the yeah, Global Citizen Fe- Festival. <laughs> yes. So now they're the uh, uh, Global Coronavirus uh, Citizen. And mm-hmm. it's going to be called One World. Uh, it's Global Citizen and the World Health Organization <laughs> announced the One World concert, a Lady Gaga curated concert special. Oh, here it is. And they- One World Together at Home. Nice. <laughs> You broke with, them down, and with Lady Gaga, invite them in. Lady Gaga is perfect for one of the cult uh, lieutenants. You'd be very mm-hmm. good at leading the leading the the meek and i'm gonna tell people watch for this hand sign <laughs> it's kind of like the uh you know like when you, uh, uh camera director is yeah you mean the, like Illumin- the, the, the illuminati triangle yeah but no but it's it's different because it's the it's the thumb to the pointer and thumb to the pointer oh is that if you look oh. at the if oh you, that's new if you look at the uh look at the um advertisements it has the home inside of that hand signal. You, it's going to be the new heart. You know the heart symbol they did with the hand? Yes. Watch it. You, I'm calling it now. That's going to be me? the new. Are you kidding me, Mo? Hold on a second. <laughs> oh, God, I despise you. What have you done to me? Hold on. <laughs> You're right. With the, with, the little, gonna, with the little red uh-huh. dot, the little red dot in between. Oh. That's the house. That's your home. That's going to be, you know, the the heart symbol cropped up with the thumb and the, yeah. you know, the heart. Yeah, that's going to be the new watch. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm calling I, it. And, and I hadn't it even seen it. I hadn't even seen it. Yeah, so that'll be the new Illuminati hand sign will be uh, basically making a rectangular box with your <laughs> thumb and forefinger of each hand. Yes. All hail. Come on in. All hail. Yeah, come come on, on in, baby. Come on in. We broke you down. We got you right where we want you alone. Uh, it's okay. You're uh, safe which, here. You're safe here. And I'll say this. I'm immune to this because I actually have a family. So I can't empathize with a person that's isolated alone. I can imagine this is hell. Yes. If you don't have a, a significant other or family which a lot, and if you think about it in the grand scheme of things, the way this thing has been set up, you, they've isolated people away from their families exactly. and to these boxes, <laughs> and now you bring in the isolation, and then you bring in, oh, well, we're, we're all together in this, you know? Uh, I, just stay in your house and I'm, look into your portal. 
it'll be interesting to see how many people. I mean, it's it's going to be blanketed, right? They're doing it live on CBS, it's, NBC, I think ABC, it's like seventeen channels. I think is going everything to be all on. at the same time, globally coordinated. Oh yeah, no this 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 is obviously uh, the next step in the plan. Hmm. And there is a plan. I think. I mean, that this is my hypothesis. Let's get uh, my control three. As a cult leader, you'll probably have some sort of mission for your followers, whether it be political, religious, or something else. The second stage is where you fix it in your followers' minds. And people won't necessarily accept what you say immediately because if you're a cult leader, you're probably saying something controversial, something novel, something anti-conformist along the lines of doomsday is coming, or let's kidnap people, or hand dryers are the work of the devil, they're loud, they're slow, and you know what? You probably think that they're better for the environment, but the optimistic studies say that they're only 20% better, while some others say that they're not even greener at all. Did you know that hand dryers actually increase the bacteria on your hands by 117%? You're better off not washing your hands at all. Hand dryers kill. That was just an example. <laughs> and I believe it. You, you remember that one, don't you? Oh, yeah. Hand dryers kill. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, well, especially the Dyson. I got two, I got two questions. One... Why are we not taking all the hand dryers out of bathrooms? Because, because this was this was a meme, yeah. like two or three years ago. Yeah, the the the, the Dyson uh, jet dryer that it would blow basically blow poop particles throughout the the whole bathroom. <clears throat> and I saw this actually. Well, let's listen to the my example of the mind, the mind control, and I'll give you my uh, story afterwards. Okay. How Jeremy? How Jeremy are public restroom hand dryers? We want you to check out this photo. A nursing student in California says this, get ready, yeah. <laughs> is bacteria that came from a hand dryer in a public restroom. Oh, Can we sick. cue up the vomiting sound effects, please? <laughs> <laughs> well, in today's Good to Know segment, we're going to verify if this claim is actually true. I mean, was that bacteria from a hand dryer? Hmm. One doctor says he's not at all surprised about what came out of that hand dryer. His name is Dr. Arash Porcina. He's an infectious disease specialist. He says hand dryers suck in bacteria that's floating around in the bathroom's air. That's why air filters in those hand dryers should be changed on a regular basis. Literally are just sucking in that air from the bathroom with all of this stuff aerosolized in it and they are blowing it directly on your just washed hands. Well, the good doctor recommends paper towels over hand dryers. I've been saying that for years by the way. He also points out though that not all bacteria is bad for you. That and is it's microscopic when you blow it up a million zillion times. Good lord. Well, now I'm confused. Now, <laughs> now I'm confused. Do I use these things or not? Well, the funny thing was, like I always say, uh, my wife, she loves the morning news, right? Which yeah. is on when I'm getting dressed. Yeah. And I heard this story. Less than a month later, paper towels go up in our bathrooms at work. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it looks like the paper industry was hard at work. So it just goes to show you how it bleeds in to culture well that's our but culture that, but that's, or our yeah, cult. that's pure <laughs> yeah that, that's <laughs> pure propaganda i mean that that's advertising is propaganda someone uh, mm-hmm. you know that's why eggs are good one week and then they're not and blue jeans are going to kill you and we've been around that circle and coffee kills you but yep. it's good for you and we we go down i mean but i'm just going to show you how you're bringing the guy with the coat the white coat Yep, and it, and and, and it's, it's it's you know official. it's hard science it's official it's official <laughs> yes All right. 
So let's go ahead and wrap up with the uh, fourth and final uh, real mind control. The reason brainwashing works within a cult is because there is that peer pressure. Things that seem normal in the real world seem that way because everyone accepts them, while abnormal things seem normal in a cult environment because everyone within the group accepts them. And a lot of it's accomplished by environmental control, social isolation, information control. Cult leaders create a new normal by manufacturing people's worlds. And then once the person has accepted that program, then you move to the third stage, which is reinforcement. Mm, yes, yes. The most important phase. Reinforcement. Yep. It's like, you know, wash, rinse, repeat. Uh, so that's how mind control works. <clears throat> and if you listen to the media and look at it that is that perspective. You'd think that they're, think they're doing a real number on us. They're doing a real number on us. But we got to f- go back and figure out this hysteria thing because uh, we just can't leave it there. Um, I am a man of faith and in my faith and also it just in, in before I get to my faith on the no agenda show, you all have this thing called karma, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and people say it works. Yes. Oh, and, it, it, totally. And, yep. So it works because people think it thinks it works. You know, yeah. if you have a collective group of people thinking um, something has power, then I think there's a real science behind it that it can gain power. I, um, I, I, we've never investigated, never looked into it deeply. Uh, we didn't come up with it. Uh, we didn't initiate it, but... Uh, after 12 years, people seem to still want it, so it's working. Yeah. Right. So, in my faith, we have this thing of <clears throat> the power of the word. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I have Joel Osteen here, and he talks about your words becoming your reality. I want to talk to you today about how your words become your reality. You are where you are today, in part, because of what you've been saying about yourself. Yes, sir. Words are like seeds. When you speak something out, you give life to what you're saying. If you continue to say it, eventually that can become a reality. Whether you realize it or not, you are prophesying your future. And this is great when we're saying things like, I'm blessed. I'm strong. I will accomplish my dreams. I'm coming out of debt. That's not just being positive. You are prophesying victory, prophesying success, prophesying new levels. Your life will move in the direction of your words. Oh, I'm a big believer in this. Big believer. Mm -hmm. And we are living right now in the middle of one of the largest manifestations of its kind in this regard. Which is, and we're gonna we're gonna get to the science behind it. Well, in a well, minute. well, well. Before before we get to that one, I just wanted to say the uh, MAGA "Make America Great Again" is literally mm-hmm. this. That is what that is what people don't understand about Trump. He he knows he knows that by saying things over and over and truly believing that we're the best, no one's bigger. No one's better. It's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. That there's a good chance it actually works out that way because you use that megaphone across enough people continuously. It actually works. And and I felt it. 
the reason why I say that after the election in 2016, <clears throat> the previous eight years was all doom and gloom. It was just like everything is the worst, the worst, the worst. And and after Trump was elected, and I don't think it has anything to do with him as a person, but like you said, it's the message and the mentality of people. When you tell people, like you said, make something great again, people start to believe it and it starts being manifested. And we've seen this with this book called The Secret. Yes. Uh, yes. That, that, that was a lot of it. Um, uh, and even Trump's, uh, you know, and I, I don't know if you knew this or not, I think his name is Peel. Last name Peel uh, wrote the power of positive thinking. Yeah, that was uh, Trump's pastor. Yeah. So now we start to see the connections of you start to speak things and they start to manifest them, themselves into reality. This is now, a, I love to, this angle mode. I don't think anyone has looked at coronavirus from this angle yet. I love you for it, my brother. It's fantastic. <laughs> Now you got to ask yourself if you have 24 by 7 news coverage of nothing but negativity coming out of the speakers. Yeah, I wonder if it's going to make some people sick. Well, we're going to find out, but let's uh, finish up with uh, Mr. Joe Osteen, part two. But too many people go around prophesying just the opposite. I never get any good breaks. I'll never get back in shape. Business is slow. I'll probably get laid off. Flu season is here. I always get it. They don't realize they are prophesying <laughs> defeat. It's just like they're calling in bad breaks, mediocrity, lack. The scripture says we will eat the fruit of our words. You are planting seeds when you talk. At some point, you're going to eat that fruit. There's a, there's a book uh, by, uh, I think it's Andrea Gardner. Mm-hmm. change your words change your world i highly recommend it and, and i you know what I, that mentality is how i was raised no you can't say you can't you right. can't you know no you can't oh my mother oh you, you do not speak <laughs> negative no uh-uh, like that was you know don't speak that into existence. That's the, that's what we say. Mm-hmm. Don't speak it into existence. And right, don't and manifest as I it. Start to read more and become uh, familiar with other people's cultures, other people's ways of ways of life. This is a very common theme, uh, and it's so much part of reality. We don't even realize it because the medical industry is based off of this. And (laughs) it's called the placebo effect. Which no medical professional to to date can explain. Not at all, but they have to respect it because they, well, you know what? Let's let the sideshow explain uh, the placebo effect. Scientists have known since the 1700s that placebos can sometimes provide real effective treatment, but exactly how it works is not well understood. What we do know is that placebo can be such an effective medical head fake that in the U.S., federal law requires that double-blind placebo tests be used in the trials of any new drugs. This means a new drug must beat its corresponding placebo in at least two clinical trials to become FDA-approved. Which, as it turns out, is harder than it sounds. We expect to feel better after being treated, and that's actually where the name comes from. Placebo is Latin for, I shall please. Basically, it enshrines the power of everything's going to be all right. It's not just your mental perception, but also your body's physiological reaction to that anticipation, which actually activates immune responses and limits the secretion of damaging stress hormones. Interestingly, another study found that advanced Alzheimer patients experienced less pain relief from both analgesics and placebos. The disease had damaged their opioid receptors, so they couldn't benefit from the anticipation of treatment. 
real or fake. But the power of thought can work against you too. The placebo effect has an equally powerful dark side, the nocebo effect. Ooh, never heard of the nocebo. Makes sense, of course. Yeah, for every positive, there's a negative. That's mm-hmm. the universe. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just how things work. The nocebo effect. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very interesting phenomenon. Uh, because I, I started thinking, I was like, uh, I was having a chat with my good friend. And then I was like, you know, um, what's the opposite of the placebo effect? And I didn't even know what the name of it was, but yeah. I, I stated it that way. And I was like, well, let me search opposite of no uh, plus placebo effect. Bam. I had nocebo not, effect. I didn't know that there was a, a counter to it. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And let's let the science show explain it to us. Nocebos showcase the negative effects of thinking or anticipation. It's what's at work when, say, sugar pills cause real negative side effects. For example, in one medical trial of a drug for fibromyalgia, a syndrome marked by chronic widespread pain, over 10% of volunteers given a placebo dropped out of the study because of the side effects like nausea and dizziness that they'd been warned about. Even though the drug was inert, the mere suggestion that they might feel side effects actually caused the side effects. The nocebo effect can also occur in patients taking real drugs. This means if a doctor lists possible side effects, a patient is more likely to experience them. During trials for a drug designed to reduce enlarged prostates, half of patients were told the drug may cause erectile dysfunction, while the other half were not informed. Only 15% of the uninformed men reported the side effect, while a whopping 44% of the men who were told had trouble in the bedroom. In the end, we're still not sure how placebo and nocebo responses work. It's likely the mechanisms vary depending on the circumstances. But Ted Kapchuk, director of Harvard University's program in placebo studies and the therapeutic encounter, suspects the bottom line might be pretty simple. Real drugs are important, but compassionate care and the act of trusting your caregiver are really critical. Kapchuk believes that the placebo effect has more to do with the attention, warmth, eye contact, and empathy given by a physician rather than the belief that a pill is real. In that case, placebos are all about the ritual of medical care and the trust we put into it. Wow, this is so deep, Mo. <laughs> and, and I'd like to add that if you told any, in general, any man that if he, uh, if he steps on the cracks in the sidewalk that he'd have erectile dysfunction, believe me, we have these issues. So don't mess around with that, people. Don't, right. don't, don't be noceboing any guys about that kind of thing because it's, it's, it's a real mental game. And this last clip only proves more that you, Mr. Curry, are from the future. Ah, my goodness. The reason why I say that is I've heard you say on several occasions, I don't even listen to medic, um, uh, prescription drug commercials. Oh, because I, because, I, I think I'll go get ahead sick. Finish, go ahead and finish. Yeah, I mean, when, when we, we watch TV land a lot at night, before, you know, like uh-huh. last show or something, it's either... King of Queens or two and a half men. Right. And it's it's stacked with ads and it's all uh, pharmaceutical. And the uh, the side effects are, you know, the anal leakage, you know, one mm-hmm. foot might start twitching, you know, involuntary movements, nausea, want to kill yourself, want to kill other people. And I've turned it down because I, I and I've, you're right, I've said many times, I'm a firm believer if you, if you just let that play and it's yapping in your face subconsciously, you might actually develop some of these symptoms. Science is on your side, sir. And if they know about the placebo effect, they have to know about the nocebo, about the nocebo effect. Huh? Yeah, about the nocebo effect, of course. Yeah, so why are you pumping this negative, <laughs> these negative, uh, uh, side effects out in that manner. Or why is not at least one pr- 
professional, for instance, um, Dr. Fauci, or maybe it would be uh, Dr. Burks, it would be better suited for her to say, hey, you know, the media, what you're doing here is not helpful. That actually can uh, hurt people that you're doing this, that you're being so mm-hmm. negative, that you're, that you're going to such depths of deprav- depravity. Someone should do that because it's bad. Well, this is where we get into the weird portion of the show. <laughs> okay. Theremin? Uh, just a touch. <laughs> All right. Just a little touch of theremin there. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Witchcraft and the nocebo effect. In pop culture, witches are shown with cauldrons, cats, and broomsticks. However, now witchcraft is largely associated with the general use of magic and sorcery. In a religious context, witchcraft is seen as neo-paganism and remains essentially harmless in North America, despite pop culture pushing forward ideas of witches being associated with Satan and harm. If a witch can use the nocebo effect to manifest harm, then surely it can be used positively as well. So you have cast spells, though, where they've been so powerful that the result has been brilliant. Yeah, amazing. The nocebo effect is a negative effect produced by the belief that something bad is coming. If you believe you will be harmed, you will be. In Western cultures, generally witches are not perceived to be real, let alone harmful. But in other societies, such as Ghana, Africa, witchcraft is feared as the nocebo effect harbors a real threat in their society. Depending on your frames of reference and where you live in the world, witchcraft can be used to heal or, in conjunction with the nocebo effect, used to harm. While cauldrons, cats, and broomsticks make for an interesting story, witches in real life, in today's modern age, are simply spiritual individuals. Hmm. So this is basically how spells work. Yeah. Yes. In their previous clip, the the, the man wrapped up his, his spiel on saying that it's the ritual of medicine. So when you go in, you see the stethoscope, you see the white coat. All of that you know, by itself. Um, yeah, all those pieces. All of that gets you prepared to be healed. Mm-hmm. So when you walk into a witch doctor's uh, op- uh, hut, office or hut. establishment, <laughs> hut, or whatever you want to put is. it, yeah. he has the candle and the skulls. and Yeah, you're and all his, set up. Yep. You're, all, you're ready. You I mean, because you're mentally conditioned to think okay this guy's for real uh and that's why in more uh traditional nations maybe say like africa south america even uh central america all over witchcraft is more successful because the people actually believe and mm-hmm. respect it no, if they believe far it, more than work, north, yeah. far more than north america so this just furthers the fact of the nocebo effect uh, and it's used in uh, supernatural uh, supernatural events. Well, I have Miss Helen Pilcher here. Mm-hmm. And Miss Helen Pilcher, she's a uh, scientific writer. She has an extensive uh, resume. Uh, she gives uh, her, po- uh, her uh, point of view on the nocebo effect. This time, it's the sad story of a guy called Sam Schumann. And this story is set in the 1970s. It's a true story. Now, Sam Schumann lived in America. And one day, he was told by a doctor that he had three months to live, that he was dying from terminal cancer. 
this is not a horse chestnut. I have been reliably informed. This is actually a cultured cancer cell, just so that you know. So he was told he had three months to live. And three months later, he died, almost to the day. But when they cut him open and did an autopsy, they couldn't find any cancer. So they expected his body to be riddled. But all they could find was a one-centimetre tumour that was barely enough to cause symptoms, let alone to have killed him. And I interviewed the guy who treated Sam Schumann, and he told me he didn't die of cancer, but from believing he had cancer. Wow. Yeah, it's powerful stuff. So now apply this to 24 by 7 news cycle pumping out the daily effects of the coronavirus, COVID-19, whatever you want to call it. Now, I'm not saying, let let me be clear. I am not saying that this thing is not real. What I'm saying is, in a weird type way, we're giving it supernatural powers and making it more powerful than it actually should be. I I'm on board with this. I really am. That, I really am. And and I'm and, and I'll take it a step further. I think mm-hmm. if you're really deathly afraid you're going to get it, you're going to get it. Whether it's real, manifested or whatever it is. You know, if you truly truly believe that, it, these things can happen. It I've witnessed this myself. Not this And the more you but, watch the news, the more you're conditioned, conditioned to believe. Yeah. And very, you're more likely to unhealthy. get it. Yeah, very, very, <clears throat> very unhealthy. And that contributes to the death toll, which makes more people believe, which makes more people get yeah, it. And just, then it just snowballs. Yeah, self-fulfilling prophecy. Out of control. And yeah. I, I, the reason why I want to do this show is I want us to be the mental vaccine for this thing. Seriously, I'm, I'm I'm being serious. I mean, we have fun here, and I I love to have fun because hopefully this is people's uh, around about two hours a week that they can kind of you know not think about things or ha- laugh at things that are really are serious. Or well, that's always been my tool uh, is <clears throat> humor and laughter. And if you can make someone laugh, that that solves a whole lot of problems they're having at that very moment. And you can set a whole right. new course. So, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I guess how we fix it is just how we think about it. Uh, but if we let people know about the nocebo effect, about uh, the power of the mind, how mind control works, they could put the pieces together and then control, you know, have, ha, or have least, a way of controlling their thoughts. Yeah, protect, their own protect thoughts. yourself initially. And that's very easy. Right. And then uh, mm-hmm. and as long, it, it's consciousness. It really is consciousness. And mm-hmm. uh, and actively uh, actively working against the negative thoughts. It's it's what you have to do. It's I've kind of trained myself to do that over time. I have I have too. And like I said, I grew up in a house where negativity yeah, was, was just was not, not tolerated. Exactly tolerated. Yeah, I yeah. mean, uh, I mean, almost to you know uh, to not want to not say a fault, but it was like no, you cannot. You know, um, maybe that's part of who I am culturally, <laughs> you know, could be because uh, we, we're going to get there too. But um, <laughs> in other I, words, what are you complaining about? Have you, have you actually, looked at your great granddaddy? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that must be, that must be like the worst. It's like for, for any black kid in America, it's 
like, yeah, but it's not fair. You want to hear what's not fair? <laughs> Look at this picture. Exactly. Uh, does, that, uh, does that get pulled out a lot? No, but it it's kind of like a, a understood thing. Right. Okay. Like you kids got it way better than we had it. And yeah. then you fill in the blank. Yeah, and Done. And, done. Done. Right. You got to pack yeah. it up. You're done. <laughs> There's nothing, <laughs> right. nothing you can say. Yeah, exactly. So Miss Helen um, Pilcher, she points her finger at an interesting group in this next clip. Now, that's suddenly a lot more real. Now, that story couldn't happen today, I can reassure you, because we have all this amazing imaging technology and these biomolecular tests. So that story cannot happen today. But I would argue that witch doctors are still around us. They're still here. In the southern states of America, 80 years ago, they may have wafted strange bottles of liquid around and hung around in graveyards. But I would argue that today's witch doctor... Wears a white coat and carries a stethoscope. What your doctor tells you can influence your health for the better or for the worse. And nocebo is when it happens for the worse. Here's another one 60% of people taking chemotherapy experience nausea before their treatment. Yeah. Now, this is where it starts to get very serious. There is no medical reason for them to feel sick before their chemotherapy, but most people do, days before or even hours before. Huh. (laughs) Like I said, we don't cast, uh, we don't paint things with uh, raw brushstrokes here. No, no, but but you know what what hit me is I've always scoffed at telemedicine. Like, what Mm -hmm. the hell? What the hell good is it going to do for a guy in a white, literally, for a guy in a white coat to sit on camera and ask me how I'm feeling? And uh, and there's my answer. This is why it works. Just seeing the doctor with the with the lab coat, with the stethoscope, with his or her uh, authoritarian kind of, you know, hey, and knowledge. I'm the doctor. Don't worry. That can already heal people. That's I hadn't considered that. And it also can hurt people, and this is where I make the yes my uh, bold statement of the of the show. These people in the media are casting spells on people. A bo- That's what they're doing. A bold statement, but I I cannot disagree. <laughs> I cannot disagree. They are casting spells on people by the technical definition. Yeah, you know. And they bring their witch doctors on there in their white coats. That's right. And not not talking about your doctor, your pediatrician, or the one your neighborhood doctor, because I think those people operate out of good faith. We're talking about the people at the highest levels, your Fauci's. You know what I'm saying? Those guys. Yeah, they and they have they they're, have agendas. They've got uh, they've got all kinds of agendas. They've got patents. They've got deals. They're working on other things. Hmm. And when you start breaking down the medical symbols and uh, <laughs> oh no, there's a lot when it comes to the twisted snake and all that. Yeah, no, it's uh-huh. it, it makes you a little crazy. I love that, Mo. <laughs> I really, so, I really like this. Uh, I I wasn't quite sure where you were going, but now I'm deep, and I can't wait for the uh, for the crescendo. Right, but, but before yeah, before we get there, we, we have to do what we have to do. 
understand that there's some people out there who need my services. Yes, Lord. Are there any people out there who are weak? Yes. yes. Any people out there who are weary? Yes. yes. Any people out there who are tired? Yes. yes. Any people out there who just need a heal? Yes. Y'all yes. got cash. Yes. Well, then come on down. <laughs> <laughs> I like the new one, Mo. That's great. What a fantastic way to get into our uh, segment where we want to thank our producers for this show. It's episode 32 of MoFax. Uh, we operate under value for value, which is very simple. You listen to this show. It's available for free. There's no commercial interruptions, no corporate money, anything at all. And I think you can understand why. We're not going to get a lot of people interested in advertising uh, with the way our candor and uh, the truth that is spoken. Um, so we can't do that. We we want to continue to create an outstanding product. And all we ask is, what is it worth to you? That's very different for each individual. Uh, we don't mind. As long as you value it, please uh, send us a donation in the amount that you value it at. It's, uh, it's the simplest, most honest method. And we'd like to thank our executive producers and uh, associate executive producers. I want to mention, though... Um, our lists are pretty small uh, still, so uh, we're, unless you speci- specify that you'd like to be anonymous, uh, we're just going to mention everybody um, until, uh, you know, maybe we'll be fortunate one day we'll have cutoff levels, but I, I think uh, everyone who supports us, I want to make sure that uh, they know that it's appreciated. So we start off with uh, Rex Redbone, who sent us this is fantastic uh, support, $225, says, thanks for such great work. Yeah, the big bell on that, man. Thank you so much, Rex, at Rex Redbone, I should say. Uh, So he'll be uh, executive uh, producer. Uh, Sir Johnny B, $130 from him. Thanks. Uh, Sorry, my math is terrible. I send send no agenda $260 a year, which is $5 a week. You do one show, so I cut it in half, but then stated in my note it was $5 a week, so I'm correcting that. (laughs) It should be credited to Sir Johnny B, not Blathercast. Okay, we'll do Sir Johnny B. And uh, he says, sorry for the confusion, but no, man, thank you. Thank you for uh, for supporting this show. That's fantastic. Uh, Jimmy James, $100. Amazing show, Adam and Mo, time and time again. The school of fish analogy, I was almost like, okay, Mo, where are you going with this? But of course, as always, hitting it out of the park and bringing it home. We need to stay close, but not too close. Everyone's a leader and no one is a leader. But most importantly, keep on swimming. So never give up and decentralized power and empowerment is what is meant to be. I love it. Thank you both for your courage. Here's some of that new money hundy for y'all. Worth every penny. I wish I could give more. Keep on swimming, my brothers. That's uh, from Jimmy James. Thanks, Jimmy James. Uh, Dave Fugazotto, who is uh, a big supporter of the No Agenda show, he sent us uh, $87.68. Great shows, guys. Thank you so much. I'm stuck in Saudi Arabia and thus have plenty of time to start again from episode one and re-listen. Keep up the superb discussions. Thank you, Dave. Uh, Peter J. Boyle, $75. His note, keeping us educated and awake in these times. We've got Fernando with $55.10. That is double nickels on the dime. And uh, I think he sent me a note. It was questioning where that came from. Um, It came from Sergeant Fred, I think, was one of the supporters of the No Agenda show. He would literally send uh, $55.10. So he'd do... 
uh, he would do, you know, the nickels and then the dime, the 10 cent, he would send it in with the scotch tapes. I'm not quite sure where it comes from other than that, Fernando. Thank you for your support. Uh, Connor Lawrence, uh, $53.13, interesting number. It's pay week, gentlemen, and thankfully I'm still working. I can't do more than this because of my student loan payment, but I, <laughs> thank you. I hope this helps. I have a few things I want to inquire with you two about, if you don't mind. I'm currently working my way through the other episodes of the show, and some of these might have come up in shows past, so sorry if this has already come up. Firstly, have you covered groups as, such as the Five Percenters or other related groups, whether they be part of the Boulay establishment or otherwise? Uh, we haven't specifically spoken about Five Percenters, have we, Mo? Not, no, not yet, but they are related. I'll leave it at that. And okay. we'll, we will get into their into other groups in, in later shows. Connor continues, I became aware of them in Wu-Tang, in a Wu-Tang doc from last summer. Not sure if their message was legit or another form of nudging. <laughs> Guess which. Uh, <laughs> secondly, have you encountered the works of Carl Jung or Friedrich Nietzsche? Yes, I have, certainly. Uh, their pictures are next to Martin, Jack, and Jesus in my house, and I was wondering if y'all had read them. Yes. They're both pretty cool. Other than that, I hope y'all are still staying healthy. Sorry for war and peace. <laughs> hope this whole thing ends soon. If it's available, could you spare this asshole some Mo Karma? Do we have a we don't we don't have Mo what what karma do we have, Mo? We don't have a Mo Karma, do we? I don't know. But give him a, you got a Woosa? We got a Woosa. Yeah, hold on a second. Where's my Woosa? Uh, I, think er- I think everybody could use a woosa in these times. Yeah. Woosa. 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 There you go with a nice uh, woosa. Uh, I'm in upstate New York. My girlfriend's in New Hampshire. I don't know when we'll be able to see her again. It's hurting me. If not, no biggie. Well, he got the, the woosa. The Woosa Karma. I keep listening to pass the time. Be good. Don't believe the hype. Believe until the end. Even if all men went astray and you were left the only one faithful, bring your offerings even then and praise God in your loneliness. And if and if there you were to meet another, there's an entire world, a world of living love. Okay. Connor, thank you for the note and the deep thoughts. Mm-hmm. Scott Gentleman, $50 from him, $50 from Cyrus Esau. Thank you. John Taylor, $25. Robert Osugueda, uh, $20. Thank you for your support. Paul Rothwell, $20. And $19.13 from a trusted influencer or diet.redcoat. I love the code. Brilliant show. Making Saturdays great again. Oh, sorry we're late. Uh, G. McDonald's, great show. Value for value. I'm downloading them all and listening. Sir Donald Winkler, uh, Back listening from episode one, so thankful for what I learned. Thanks to your research, and you and Adams are such a great match. Keep it coming, please, Sir Donald Winkler. He is a baron over at the No Agenda Show. Kevin Roa, $10 from him, value for value. Thank you, Kevin. Clinton uh, gave us $10 with a note of Rona Karma. Uh, William Hawthorne, uh, $10 combined to $5 donations. Pietro Zimini, Zimini, yes, Hey, fellas, pardon the lint on my $8.88 contribution. <laughs> you guys are irreplaceable. Thank you. And Kevin Kalen, $3.33. Uh, we really appreciate uh, these donors um, who are producers of this show have helped us put this together and uh, continue to motivate us to continue. And it's uh, it's incredibly appreciated. To support us, go to mofax.com. That's mofax.com. Or if you want to go directly to the 
donation page. It is mofundme.com, M-O-E-F-U-N-D-M-E.com. And thank you again for supporting MoFax with Adam Curry. And we're back. Uh, So in this time, there's a lot of churches being, being closed. Yes. Not, not voluntarily closing. No, not allowed, so, not allowed to, not allowed to congregate. Right. So we talked about the nocebo effect and the negative side of that. And, but then you, you uh, couple that with the fact that you take the positivity out of people's out of some lives, people, yeah, out of some people's yeah. lives. I think this is going to really accelerate this. Uh, one of our favorite people to keep an eye on. He's not one of our favorite people. Uh, Charlemagne the guard. He uh, talks about the Florida pastor who says he'll keep the church open. Drop one of cool's bombs for God. He ain't out here playing no games. Oh, she. Okay. I'm saying all that to say, uh, I totally understand why people's faith is strong and why you would lean into God at a time like this. Okay. It makes perfect sense. But what I don't like is pastors like Rodney Howard Brown taking advantage of his flock's faith. See, when you're a pastor ordained by God, you are a leader, okay? You are a lot of folk spiritual leader, and they will follow you to the ends of the earth, and you shouldn't take advantage of that. But sadly, that's what Rodney Howard Brown did. And oh, just a reminder, what does your Uncle Shala always tell you? The craziest people in America come from the Bronx and all of Florida, and River Church is indeed in Florida. Well, this past weekend, Rodney Howard Brown's church was packed to hell with social distancing. Give me six feet in my ass. If you go look at the video online, they have a full house. And Pastor Rodney Brown, who claims he will cure coronavirus the same way he cured Zika. According to TMZ, Rodney has vowed he will never close his church despite every doctor, health expert, scientist, all saying social distancing is the way. Social distancing is the only thing that will prevent disease from spreading even more. I can't make any of this up. (laughs) So he's obviously pushing an agenda. Yes. And this is this is one of these uh, witch doctors, <laughs> a.k.a. Boule members. And we spoke about what they believe in in a previous show and their connection to Egypt and the cult. Uh, so it's not a far stretch. But then they mask themselves as uh, some type of uh, believer. But what upsets me is this guy wrote a book on anxiety. It was called called Shook Ones. But then he gets on his microphone and basically pushes the anxiety agenda. Now, if people find comfort in their faith, I'm sure certain churches, I mean, if people want to go to church, who would say they can't go to church? I mean, the liquor store is open. I mean, it's like, we ain't close that down or, 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 or other things. But now all of a sudden it's this. And I'm not getting on the soapbox here, but it's just this is where the media becomes personal with me, because in my community, there's this concerted effort to push people against their faith. And I've seen this before. I saw this before in 2012. I saw this play. Hmm. Okay, Obama was elected in 2008 and he was. Uh, a marriage is between a man and a woman, right? Yeah. Until Joe Biden pulled him 
out of the closet yeah. and really showed what he really believed all the time. Yes. Whoop. And and it forced people, uh, so-called, uh, quote-unquote, black people, to choose between their faith and politics. I'm seeing this play made again. Interesting. From Mr. Uh, Charlemagne, Charlemagne the Guard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Now, I have a set of clips with him and Mr. T.D. Jakes, and that's the gentleman to open our show up. Uh, and, but just for a little background on, on, on Mr. T.D. Jakes, let's listen to him. Nothing is as power, powerful as a changed mind. This morning, I want to talk to you from the subject, there's nothing as powerful as a changed mind. There is nothing as powerful as a changed mind. You can change your hair, your clothing, your address, your spouse, your church, your residence. But if you don't change your mind, the same experience will perpetuate itself over and over again because everything outwardly changed, but nothing inwardly changed. Where's his? This is a minister, right? TJ, yes. Jake, yeah. Houston, Houston. Oh, he's in Houston. Oh, okay. Matt, he's the biggest black pre- preacher in America. <coughs> he's got the mega church in Houston. Mega, the Potter Potter's House. I no, believe it's called. Okay. okay, okay, okay. Huge church, and he's the guy. I mean, like, yeah. Oh, your um. Tyler Perry. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. Yeah, I mean, yeah, comes to, uh, yeah, major. Now, he has a similar message that we heard from Joel <laughs> he's, Osteen. He's, he's got a lot of merch on his website. Yes. He, <laughs> he's got a, got a mo- lot movies, of merch. Books, yeah, movies, books. <laughs> but yeah. he has a similar message to what we heard from Joel Osteen. That yes. it, what you speak into existence, you know, that kind of thing. Which, well, I, I'm not even going to go there. But, um, it's just interesting that he says, until you change your mind, nothing changes. changes. Right. Now, let's listen to him when he has a conversation with Charlemagne the God. You, you, you bring a doctor into the book uh, that I want to talk about. It Dr. Just, Ish Major. Dr. Ish Major. When the doctor came on the scene and he begins to talk in the book, he begins to validate some of the feelings that you are expressing, though he, let's be careful to, to denote the fact that he is not your therapist. No, no, he's not. Um, yeah. I wanted, I, I thought about using my therapist, but I didn't think that she would rave, waive her right to privacy to do it, but I also thought it would be more powerful coming from mm-hmm. a black male therapist, especially when you have a black man describing a lot of these experiences that are unique in a lot of ways to the African-American community. So I thought that, you know, Dr. Ish would be the perfect person to... He says a a lot of things. Dr. Ish says a lot of things that that validate the whole traumatic experience that you share. Uh, One of the things that really, really leaped out to me and really spoke to me in a major way is when he begins to talk about uh, them 
examining the children of the Holocaust survivors yes, yes. and finding their their uh, trauma had been passed on genetically yes. because their parents were so traumatized. They passed through their DNA certain amounts of stress factors and, and uh, stress stimulators that caused their children to be nervous and on, on edge. And his hypothesis or his uh, conclusion is that African Americans being traumatized through slavery have passed on to their descendants a certain amount of uh, PTSD and trauma and stress. Oh, man. <laughs> I'd never heard of Dr. Ish Major. That's an interesting We're talking about, interesting we're talking about the, nocebo effect, the, the nocebo effect is basically the same thing as the victimization mentality. Yes. Wow. See, I, I told yep, you yep, when yep, <laughs> we get it first. We get it first. The world is just experiencing <laughs> the level of propaganda that we've been getting for at least the last 100 years. I want to say that with mass media. Well, this, so let me just stop there for a second. Okay. That's, that's, I'm On a previous, I know it was the show, last show or the show before, you also uh-huh. said, hey, you know how uh, people are giving you stink eye because uh, you you don't have the right mask or you coughed or something? And you said, mm-hmm. that's pretty much what it feels like to be black. Yes. is the, 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 There's a continuous awareness of people could be scoping you out, checking you, which, by the way, is also what it's like to be a celebrity in an odd way. But, I, uh-huh. but that's, uh, it's not the same thing, but there's some similarities. Um, I, I, this, so, so how, so knowing this is happening and you're, and you're identifying it correctly. And I, and I know that other people have spoken to me about it after listening to the show. Said, shit, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I think I understand a bit of what Mo's talking about there in that regard. So, how does that make you feel? Do you think, ha, now you know what it feels like? Or are you, are you happy people can uh, sympathize and understand? Is there, or do you not, are you, maybe you don't feel anything at all? I, 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 I want to share how <laughs> to, with people how I deal with it. Yeah. I don't give you the power to affect to, me. Right. I don't buy into the victimization mentality. Now, I've never, we've talked on the show many a times. I'm not saying that uh, racism doesn't exist, especially on a systemic level. I'm not saying that, you know, it's people set out to hold other groups down. What I'm saying is what I've said about this whole show. You can't give it power. Right. (laughs) You can't, you know, you know, it can exist, but you can't give it power. And for them to come up with this BS of it's it's passed along in the genes, how can you prove that? Right. How how can you prove I and I know I'm gonna get killed for this next statement. I think the narrative of slavery <laughs> has been more destructive than the actual slavery. Now let me qualify my statement. <laughs> let, let me qualify saying qualify my statement. What I'm saying is the perpetual movies, the perpetual yeah. victimization mentality roots, 12 years of what, 14 years of slave, 12, whatever, whatever it is, the trauma based entertainment that if you didn't have that, that people could get past the stumbling blocks and actually progress. But they use the same way they're scaring the crap out of people with this coronavirus. They scared my people for 100 years now 
And, and that's what builds the victimization mentality. And now they're going to the molecular level. Yes, of, literally. <laughs> if literally. I have a child, it's going to be passed up. They have no choice. It's going, you know, you're going to be born a, born a victim. I appreciate you saying this because you do in, in you have developed a set of tools that allow you to not have certain media elements in particular uh, hold any power over you for who you are and where you come from. Mm-hmm. We can, we all can learn a lot from that. And I'm and that's, um, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go fish. Your, fish well, your I'm, I'm kind of. I'm surprised at myself because amidst all of the work I've been doing in the past, you know, six, six to eight weeks on our current situation with with coronavirus, mm-hmm. I kind of forgot all these parts about uh, the mind control part, about the uh, even though I couldn't have named it for you, the no, the nocebo effect, all of that. It's like it's you know I've I've uh, studied it. I've I've been in therapy. Part of therapy is 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 uh, has to do with this. I'm kind of kicking myself. I didn't realize that this is what's going on. So I really appreciate you um, packaging it up this way and connecting it to something uh, real world for you and I. I, I. I love it. It's really good. I think they call it the fog, the fog of war. Yes, I think that's the term. Yes, I mean because we're in, we're in it, we're, right? Yeah, yeah, we are. But I have strived not to participate in it. So I'm like at the edge of the pool, right? And I'm watching everybody, you know, struggle to stay, you know, stay afloat. Right. And I'm like, you know, you can get out the pool, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know that, right? Yeah, uh, exactly. Exactly. You don't have to be in it. Yeah. But it's so much part of our culture, the entertainment and the news it's so built in, and that's why they're using entertainers to push this agenda. Yeah, because it's like uh, when you try to escape, and that's why I said the only way you can escape is watch premium channels like HBO, where and I'm sure they're gonna find some kind of content to invade there as well. Yeah, uh, but you can escape it. But what I find so disgusting is this: now we have Mr. T.D. Jake say, and I, my mom's gonna kill me for this if she ever hears this because she loves him. Um, but um. <laughs> uh, you have him say there's nothing as powerful as a changed mind. And he has Charlemagne the God sit across from him and tell him about, oh, he's on a molecular uh, genetic level that's passed. And how can you even do that study? Because those same children grew up in the house with somebody that probably loaded them up with the victimization yes, mentality. Exactly. So you can't do a you can't you, you can't, can't do a double blind. Yeah, you study can't you can't separate that. No, you can't separate the, the cultural from the medical. Of course not. Right. It's nature versus nurture. You know, so um how can you say that? And then why he push back and say, well, you know, Charlemagne, um, you know, it, once you change your mind and you change your reality. But he didn't give it he he just buys into it. But I mean I I, I digress a little bit because I want to get into the second clip. With T.D. Jackson and Charlemagne, uh, so you can cue it up. Talk to me about that black experience from a street perspective. Well, I, I got a chapter in there called Black Annoyed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's about yeah. being black and paranoid in America. And mm-hmm. it's exactly what, you know, you just re- 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 repeated that Dr. Ish said. It's like the PTSD. I look at PTSD as post-traumatic slave disorder as well. You know, my, my, my sister Angela Rye, she coined that term. And that's the truth because it's just all this trauma that's been passed on from generation to generation. And you have slavery, you have Jim Crow segregation. Like a lot of those things are the reason that we're in the conditions that we're in now like 
Well, after after he mentioned Angela Rye, I couldn't even hear the rest of what he was talking about. <laughs> I, I, it's not one of my favorite people. Another witch doctor. Yeah. Yeah. These people, that's what the boule are. They, I mean, like literally, literally, that's what now we're starting to get into the role of what the boule is. They whip up. Uh, what? Okay, let's just back up a little bit about the boule. Uh, I know we're going to go long, but I just want to. I really want to dive into this. Who did they say? Who did Margaret Sanger say to get the reverends? And who else? Doctors. Doctors. Yes. And if you have the doctor reverend, that's even better. Yeah, so if you got the white coat or the the you know the collar, um, that prepares people to believe what you're going to say. Yes, and whatever you push to them, they're going to accept as truth. By the way, when and, when you tell kids that a blue uniform uh, with a badge is going to try and kill you, it all it <laughs> just came to mind. It wasn't anything I've been studying on or anything. <laughs> Right. Yeah, but if you if you keep telling kids, hey, the the cop is going to kill you. The cop hates you. The cop is going to kill you. Yeah, you're going to mm-hmm. get in some weird situations. But yeah, and and this guy, I, once again, I'm gonna say he wrote a book on anxiety called Shook Ones. And me being who I am, I went and looked the audio book up and took a couple <laughs> clips from it. <laughs> Very nice. Shook ones one. There's plenty of traumatic stress experienced by people during their day-to-day lives here in America, especially black people. The damage isn't just limited to contemporary events either. The traumatic legacy of slavery is still felt by African Americans hundreds of years later. I know there are going to be people on the right who hear that and will claim I'm practicing victimology. Or simply tell me and other black folks to get over it already. To them, I would like to say... Suck my seven and a half inch, eight inches in the summer because inherited trauma is real. Consider this. A few years ago, researchers at New York's Mount Sinai Hospital did a study on a group of Holocaust survivors and their children. The study found that the children of the survivors had stress levels in their genes that couldn't be attributed to the relatively healthy and untroubled lives they were living in America. The gene changes in the children could only be attributed to Holocaust exposure in the parents said lead researcher Rachel Yehuda. This idea that a parent can pass trauma to a child in subsequent generations is called epigenetic inheritance. The researchers studied other groups that weren't exposed to extreme stress, but didn't find any other examples of trauma being passed down through genetics. They must not have studied any black folks then, because there is no question in my mind that just as with those Holocaust survivors, the trauma of slavery has been passed down generation to generation in my family. I've heard of this uh, uh, epigenetic, mm-hmm. uh, but I've all, I also grew up with kids in Amsterdam whose grandmothers had numbers tattooed on their arms from the concentration camp. Believe right. me, the trauma came from the family, not not just from the genes. Every single day, these kids were reminded of the hunger winter. Yeah, right. Yeah, we had. That's why the, I said we, you can't. When you do that study, you can't. You can't say, "Oh, yeah, it was due to that." No, I it was due no. to nature, not nurture. No, that, that yes, I like that. I like the comparison of those two: nature and nurture. Absolutely, that's my experience. I'm, I'm no scientist, obviously. But let me also clarify. Now, I'm not saying if the woman is carrying the child and experiencing stress that 
the child won't be affected by the stress. Well, I'm you, not saying that. You know, you know that's, what? That's you, something you, totally different. You know what? Uh, what book is written specifically about trauma in the womb? Just since we're talking about cults, what's that? That is Dianetics. That is the 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 building blocks of Scientology is around the book that talks about the trauma that is done to the child in the womb. The original, the original Dianetics before we got into the. Yeah, a lot of the wacky stuff, I guess. And we know uh, L. Ron Hubbard's connection to. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. To, to all, all the. Um, all of uh, them. What was it? Just the all of, of them. Uh, yeah, the, yeah the, all of it. The C or. And, and, and I'm going to give you a little factoid if you didn't know this, but look into the connection with the NOI and uh, L. Ron Hubbard and Dianetics. What's NOI? Nation of Islam. <laughs> we'll get we'll get there later i'm sure we we'll, we'll will get there i'm another sure show, we will i'm just saying all this is <laughs> yeah but um so I, I, it just infuriates me that i like i said i am more, i've come here i've dissected white supremacy i've helped define it uh not to me personally but share the definition I think that most accurately describes it. So I'm not saying that doesn't exist, but what I'm saying is you say that you're born with something yeah, and you can't control it. It's like saying, Oh, well, my mother or father was an alcoholic. So I'm going to be an alcoholic. Right. That, that is not acceptable. Uh, thought that's not healthy. And like I said, that, but that is the product of, I think more, like you said, what the people hear, yeah. And if we go on the larger scale, the mass media, if they're pushing trauma based, fill in the blank entertainment, news, media, that only just furthers it. But yeah, I, I got to so, tell you, I watch a lot of television, uh, mainly cable news and C SPAN. And uh, I'm now I'm very in touch with what I'm receiving. And I'm very, very, it's not a passive thing I do. I'm actively engaged. I'm very careful not to watch anything passively without uh unless it's you know pure and a movie yeah i gotta get into it but any anything else um and i do that purposefully because i don't want to get hurt but even i feel anxious and i know okay it's time for me to stop i just gotta stop turn it off go outside do something else uh because it it works that way and i've built up resistance but oh yeah i feel it i Mm -hmm. definitely feel it I do too. And then, you know, you have to decompress and like you said, you have to be in the right state to take media in because like you said, if you take it in, uh, and not prepared, it will, it, you, you, it can you know, be harmful. Um, I, I have even like secondhand, <laughs> secondhand Corona, uh, <laughs> like secondhand smoking. I have, I, I hear conversations. Uh, I even had to correct my kids. I mean, they don't, I, uh, yeah, they're like, oh yeah, the, the corona, the corona. I mean, it's like, I mean, they obviously picked it up in school somehow. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's happening. But let's go ahead and get into um, shook ones two point one. A professor at Virginia Commonwealth University describes the dangerous effect that toxicity can have on African Americans. Whether it's related to the pressures from society, increased chances of being stopped by the authorities, trying to provide for their families, or trying to find a job or to sustain a job. When a stressor occurs, there are physiological processes that occur in the brain that trigger the release of cortisol. What we have found was in certain people who are constantly stressed, cortisol levels do not go down throughout the day. It will remain high. 
When your stress levels are chronically high, it can create all sorts of lasting damage. Physically, it can lead to diabetes, which African-American men are almost twice as likely to develop as white men. It can also dramatically increase your blood pressure, which might explain why, according to the American Heart Association, the prevalence of high blood pressure in African-Americans is the highest in the world. No wonder that African-Americans are 1.5 times more likely to die of heart disease than whites. Chronic stress can also lead to anxiety. There's no question the stress I experienced as an African-American, especially a poor one growing up in the South, has directly led to my issues with anxiety. I'm no fan of Charlemagne, but he had a lot of interesting things to say there. I mean, I can't disagree with it. No, he does, but he's part of the problem because he contributes to that stress by getting on his radio show every day, early in the morning, and and, and people need to look this up, but you're more susceptible to receiving information early in the morning. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. This is why I don't listen to black radio in the morning. Because they're charging you up. We we listen, We heard Tom Joyner. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we heard did. these shows. So, yeah, we did. Um, yeah. So when you think about it, you have poor people that's dependent upon free entertainment, yeah. that being uh, black radio, and then you pump them full of, oh, this election is going to decide everything. You know, if you don't vote, yeah. it's going to be the end. Yeah. And you're making. Then you wonder why. <laughs> and you're literally killing your audience in the process. It's fantastic. But then you come back and write a book on anxiety well, when you're actually a <laughs> causing stressor. It. Well, t- but that not that always what the criminals do? They always want to make up for it somehow? That's his conscience. His yeah. conscience m- is making him do this. He has to right. write this book because he feels bad. Deep down, he feels bad about it. And he knows, what, can, he, he knows what the effect. I effects. can spot the BS, though, and I'm going to call him on every time I can. Right on. And he, and he talks about his existence. Oh, I... Just existing as a black man, you know, uh, uh, it is stressful. I'm not going to say that. I'm not, you know, because the reason why I say it's stressful is when you start thinking about how people think about you, and that's what this corona thing is, when you go outside the house without a mask, like, oh, God. Yeah, people think, are looking you know, at I, me. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm, uh, yeah. yeah, that feeling. So, I mean, imagine being, being 24-7, but then when you say, you know what, screw everybody. You know what I'm saying? That's their problem, not mine. Right. Uh, that's how you defeat it. But, Let's listen to Charlemagne's existence of how he's being stressed. Like many African-Americans, I've experienced more than my fair share of shocking, scary or dangerous events. And most of them have involved the police. Dealing with the police has always been traumatic for me, and it's partially my fault. As a teenager, I was selling crack and carrying guns, which practically ensured that my interactions with the cops were going to be stressful. Knowing that I could be arrested at any moment kept me in a state of constant anxiety. I mean, I was selling crack while I was on probation, no less. If I got caught, I was going straight to prison. How could I not be worried? Well, I, I think selling crack and carrying guns will will dry your stress up a little bit. My, just, just a tad. Saying. Just a tad. It might get you a little a little jumpy. <laughs> and then he's selling poison to his own people <laughs> while he's on probation. <laughs> yeah, disgusting. Well, but, but okay, there's something to be said for him. Uh, I know you're not going to agree, but I'm just going to play devil's advocate. You know, he, he mm-hmm. cleaned up his act, at least the, the crack dealing act. Um, and he's writing about his experience. So I'll, I'll give him a, you know, I'll give him a little bit of a pass. But 
of course he's a hypocrite duh that's <laughs> well th- this is why i don't give him a pass because all he did was trade one drug for another drug crack for fear He's still peddling. Well, he's actually peddling a, a, a much more dangerous drug. The crack, yeah, he's crack is a walk in the park compared to fear. And what that can do and, and what it does to your anxiety levels. He didn't mention the adrenal glands, but there's a lot of stuff. Stress is right. stress makes you sick. Yeah, and then on top of that, crack is a voluntary exchange because I want something from you that I know what it's going to do to me. What he's doing on the radio, yeah, through mo- the airwaves. Most people don't know it's what it's just doing. just as sick as the everybody else, what they're doing with Corona right now. I can't, I, I, I had to, I had to put them in. I can't make a exception for him. Okay. I can't. I mean, me personally. No. But no. I, well, that's it. I'm never listening. Show. I'm never listening to him again. Well, we have to listen to him because we have to, <laughs> we have to keep an eye on him. No, I'm, I'm, I'm counting on you for clips. I'm yeah. not going to listen yeah, to him. You, right. you do the Columbus, monitoring. Yeah, ha- <laughs> yeah well, I had to keep an eye on him because, I mean, hey. You I mean, never know. He, he's, he, yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's poisoning my people. I, I can't, I can't, I don't like that. I hear um, you. But I never like to leave the show on a negative note. It's, so, p- it's part of the mind control found- of this show. We want to make sure you leave happy so you come back happy. Yeah, I mean, all of that, you, you take something away that, you know, maybe help you through the week. And this is going to be your antidote for the mind control that you may experience this week. Matt from Orberry? Yes, I am Thurman. Only this time I brought my secret weapon. My brain. What are you talking about? He's talking about brain control. Brain control? There ain't no such thing as brain control. There's mind control. Brain control is ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Yes, it's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Barry. 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 What are you what are you doing? <laughs> oh my god. It works. How are you doing that? I am making you say everything that I say. Yeah, but I'm saying it first. Are you? Yes. Really? I am very, very powerful. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I hate to say it. I don't know what movie that's from. That's a dinner dinner for schmucks. (laughs) That's okay. So, yeah, brain control. How brain we, control. How do we apply the brain control, Mo? C- control your brain. Control what goes into your brain. You know, exactly. uh, uh, counterbalance the mind control. Uh, take away what we learn here. We, once you know the playbook of the mind control, I mean, you can, you can just use your brain control. So, well, it's, that, that's, it's, that's, that's, that's the antidote. I'm switching it on full blast mode, definitely. It, this has been good. I think the awareness for people is really is a is a very helpful tool, and you can just start with those pharma ads. By the way, that that'll remind you that uh, what's uh, in between the commercials is also probably harmful to your health. But be mm-hmm. careful. Be careful what you're listening to. What your intake is. Switch it off. You know, listen listen to a uh, listen to Mo Facts, and then listen to and, some music. And no agenda. And, and, no and listen, yeah, listen to some jazz, you know. But the, <laughs> but that is the best thing is just 
turn it off, stay away from it. Uh, be on guard, I guess. Be on guard, right? Yeah, that sounds about right. Be on yeah, guard. Just, just take maybe five minutes, ten minutes of news a day, you know, and then go on with your life. Live, Mo, live your life. Mo, thank you so much for doing this. I didn't quite, as you, it happens often, I didn't quite know where we were going in the beginning. <laughs> Wasn't quite sure. Um, but I like it a lot. And you've actually triggered, <coughs> excuse me, Rona. You've triggered uh, a number of things in my brain that I you know, put aside, hadn't thought about, and I'm going to reactivate those. It's very good, very helpful, and I'm, I appreciate you uh, bringing this up. And also how it ties into the overall theme of the show. And people can uh, experience this and uh, think about it. Think about this experience and how this sim- this experience is, for, is similar for other people in other ways. Mm-hmm. And like I always say, Pay attention to everything, and the truth will reveal itself. And we look forward to seeing uh, you, dear producer, out there next week. Uh, We'll try and do it on the Saturday. And uh, Mm -hmm. for that, uh, we'd like you to support the show. Go to MoFax.com for all the latest, uh, the podcast feed, the archives page, and directly to our donation page at uh, MoFundMe.com, M-O-E-F-U-N-D-M-E.com. Mo, I'll talk to you next week, buddy. All right, see you later, Adam. All right, take it easy, man, and we'll see all of you as well right here on MoFax with Adam Curry.